the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. And welcome to Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Come along with us every Saturday night here on AM 1280 The Patriot at 6 o'clock sharp. K-12 through education is the playing field, and as the 16th President Abraham Lincoln so succinctly stated, he said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I'm Mark Durkin, joined again by my co-host and founder of Liberty Classical Academy, Rebecca Hagstrom. Yeah, good afternoon, good evening. Yes. So glad to be with you today. Such a hectic time of year, I is know, it not? I know, I know. We've got a lot going with all these school board races. Absolutely. It is October, and that means next month school board elections will be happening all across the state of Minnesota, all the way up until Election Day, November 2nd. Candidates for school boards in different parts of the Twin Cities Metro will continue to join us here on Education America to discuss who they are, why they are running for school board seats, and the challenges that their districts are facing. Mm-hmm. And tonight we have two candidates joining us who are running for school board seats in separate school districts. John Ficadenti is running for a school board seat in District 624, the White Bear Lake Public School District. And Kayla Hauser is running for a school board seat in District 196, Rosemount, Apple Valley, Egan. Thank you both for joining us here tonight. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm glad that it worked out. So, um, Kayla, let's start with you. Why are you running for a seat on the Rosemount Apple Valley Egan School District? I'm not going to keep saying that. That's too many words at once. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, how many seats are actually needing to be filled on the school board? Uh, and then what do you believe is the most important responsibility of a school board? Sure, Lots sure. Of questions in one. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, well, to clarify, there is a total of seven seats in District 196, but only three are open during this election, November 2nd. Okay. Uh, two of the three incumbents are rerunning, with the third stepping down from being on the board since 1989. Oh, wow. Um, That's a long time. Yeah. There are many things that are motivating me to run for the school board. One of those reasons is I want to give the parents a voice in their children's education. Mm-hmm. The school The current school board members do not consider all sides when making decisions. They lack a balanced viewpoint and refuse to listen to some parents' concerns. Mm -hmm. They tell us not to question their policies and cut out public forum and limit how many people can speak at a meeting. Mm -hmm. I have a strong worth ethic, integrity, passion, and experience in helping children succeed, and I am a former graduate of District 196 and have completed all of my K-12 through education in this district. Hmm. My only home is in District 196, where my children receive their education. This is our home and not just a number on a paper. My sure. husband and I worked very hard to 
working multiple jobs to achieve our dream and raising our children in mm-hmm. this district. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm currently a teacher as well, and mm-hmm. I have been for six years locally um, working in child care with our very diverse community mm-hmm. in 196. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. So you've got lots of connections to the area. Yeah. So you care about the school. Absolutely. And, and what's happening to the students and what they're learning and how they're learning and um, all, all of the important elements of accountability, accountability and that type of thing. Yeah. So, I feel like mm-hmm. um, with my previous experience with helping our children of all ages in the pursuit of learning and being able to succeed with essential life skills, I believe that we should have all school boards that will be open, honest, and listen to the families in our district. Who knows our children better than the parents of District 196, right. yeah, you know? Exactly. I mean, we mm-hmm. need a board that is open to all ideas, thoughts, mm-hmm. and feelings regarding regarding our children and their education and their future. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, good, good. Now let's turn it over to John Ficadenti yeah. again. He's running for a school board seat in District 624 of White Bear Lake School District. John, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, why are you running for a seat on the school board, and what do you believe is the most important responsibility of a school board? Well, you know, all districts, the, the crown jewel are the schools, there's no doubt. There's a three, it affects so many people you have um it makes great citizens of our youth, all the school districts do. It's one of the largest employers of a community, mm-hmm. and it should affect people's property values in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody, it's like jury duty. We need quality people on these school boards. We need a representation of people from across the community to weigh in on what's happening with the school district. You can't be too heavy uh, with people that represent the education area, the fields. You need people that uh, can speak. I've been self-employed for many, many years. And the true job is you have to be a goodwill ambassador. And if you truly care, and you're not beholden to any groups, unions or anything like that, if you truly care about the kids, Mm -hmm. families, and communities, you should be involved in the process. And much like uh, what, what people are saying right now, our school boards aren't allowing any dialogue, okay? And that's, right. what, upsets, that's what upsets the community. And um, you need people that can take a look objectively at what, what's the strengths of our school district and, and where do we need work? Where do we need to work? You know, what, where, how can we make things better? Mm-hmm. So that's why I want to be involved. I think every community member should be involved with school board at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's very important for people to stay involved in what's happening in the school, whether or not their kids have grown and left the community or not. I know one of the other people running in White Bear, who we just had on last week, um, is also a retired gentleman and said that he um, really believes exactly what you just said um, there, John, that there needs to be a reflection of diversity on the school board. There can't be everybody just representing the school or everybody just representing the parents. There needs to be kind of some diverse opinions. And that's the way a board typically works the best is if you have people coming from various backgrounds and um, bringing their gifts to the table and representing various constituencies. Yeah. yeah. See, I don't. I if I were on the school board, I don't want you necessarily to agree with what I'm saying, but I want you to hear. I want you to hear what I'm saying. There we go. Right? Have all sides mm-hmm. exactly. There we go. And then, and then we can arrive at, at a consensus that works for the community, not one side or the other. And that's what we need in these school boards across the nation. Mm-hmm. Is what yep. we need. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And in speaking of you know getting various uh, viewpoints, and then also having 
maybe an imbalance of people that are just in education that are on school boards. I'd like to ask you, Kayla Hauser, there are new, you know, you mentioned the number of seats uh, that are open in District 196. What are your thoughts on the educator-endorsed or union-backed candidates for those open school board seats? Yeah, you know, I believe it's very interesting that the union has only picked one incumbent and not both. I think it's also interesting that on their group flyers that they recently mailed out, and which was also paid for by the union and not the candidates or their supporters, that they talk about community involvement, collaboration with parents, welcoming schools for all, and increasing the achievement for all students. All of these things are items that have been slowly removed while art has been on the board since 2008. Hmm. So how can we be putting out information like this and have a platform saying he wants these things now during the campaign time, but not while he has been on the board? Hmm. What Hmm. worries me about the union-endorsed candidates is that they will speak only for the union and not on behalf of the parents, families, and taxpayers. Hmm. The school board should be the people's representation, just like the teachers' union is generally the teachers' representation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find it interesting. Interesting, actually. That's a conversation that um, I have never had with with people who are really in the know about elections and that type of thing is how is it that the unions can back particular candidates? I suppose they're free to do whatever they want to do. And they do that, of course, at the national level and the state level. But it's not as um, we, we aren't as aware of it at the local level like this in a school board election. But, you know, you raise a good point, Kayla, that it's a little bit interesting that if the teachers unions represent the teachers and the school boards are supposed to represent the represent the parents isn't there a little conflict of interest there yes. that the unions can endorse school board candidates i don't know it's just a it's a thought that just came into my head as i'm talking to you right now it seems a little bit inconsistent um all right. Well, John, we're going to move over to you again here. And we see images across the Internet and television today of contentious exchanges taking place across the country between frustrated parents of students and school board. It's interesting because we've got a national news uh, TV right on behind us. And I just saw a headline about the angry school board parents and that people are lashing out against them now. So there is a lot of contention. It's kind of going both directions. Mm-hmm. So, John, why are so many school boards facing? Facing public backlash and turmoil. Well, I guess it's pretty simple. Any relationship, husband, wife, uh, sister, brother, you need communication. If one person feels like they're not being heard, it, it upsets people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you look at the White Bear Lake School District um, School Board. They offer a public open forum, and, and here's the deal: it's a half hour. And each person is, uh, you can only speak for three minutes. And the the last two public forums were shut down. Mm -hmm. Mm. When 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 you stop the conversation, especially when people really have something to say, that's where the contention comes from. The school board, you have to be a goodwill ambassador. You can't always just listen to people who agree with you, Mm -hmm. okay? That doesn't do anybody any good. So the, the school boards are bringing this all on themselves because they just aren't having a very good open line of communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is important. And I am hearing that report. I just heard that report about another school district here in the Twin Cities um, where they were limiting conversation. And I know in the case of White Bear, I think they were shutting it down because somebody wasn't wearing a mask or something like that. But, um, you know, there's always going to be some reason that you can choose to sh- shut down a meeting, whether that's actually constitutional right. or legal. 
I don't think it really is, and I really don't know, but I think some of these parents are going to start challenging the school boards well, on that, that level. That We've had that at Have you? Yeah. 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 Where they shut it down and just said, okay, we're done with conversation. Pretty much where they did a recess, and we did go back after 10 minutes, but there were police that were called for parents wanting to discuss. Speak up. Yes, yeah, they, they wanted to talk. And, and they weren't terrorist threats. <laughs> no, right? no, absolutely not, um, as we're labeled now. Right. <laughs> There's the proof right now that both sides are not being given a chance to be heard. It's either yes. our way or we're shutting it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. going to only continue to cause emotions to boil over. Yes, this divide is becoming so strong. Um, Kayla, can you describe for our listeners how the Rosemont Apple Valley District responded to COVID-19? As a candidate for school board, what do you believe should be the district's response to masks and vaccines? That's one of the hot topics. It is. Um, I believe that in the beginning, District 196 did as advised based upon not having much for scientific data. Over time and with scientific data collected, which was gathered around the world, we have learned a lot and we have reached a point where we don't classified children as super spreaders as they were once labeled. Mm -hmm. We know more about how to protect ourselves and our children without making our children live in fear every day. And I think District 196 did well on our initial response compared to other states, but there are some areas in which we could do better. For example, I believe Governor Waltz did recognize and acknowledge that each region within our state was affected differently as the virus entered their community. He made a good decision to allow districts to individually decide what schools should do for reopening policies Mm -hmm. rather than making a rule across the board for everyone. Mm -hmm. The only thing I would have done differently would be allowing parents in those schools to have a stronger say in what is healthy and safe for their own child and not leaving it up to the school board alone to make that Mm -hmm. decision. Every person's body reacts differently, develops differently, and learns differently. And we should respect that and respect all parents' concerns. And we should not set across-the-board mandates, which may discriminate against some individuals. Mm -hmm. I believe it's very harsh and demeaning to pick and choose what is classified as essential and non-essential, as they did But it sends the wrong message when our government chooses if it's bad to work out or gather for religious reasons, but say it's good to eat fast food, alcohol, and play scratch-offs during a (laughs) pandemic. I mean, before coronavirus, we still had germs of all kind, minor and major. People made their own decisions if they were going to make a risky choice in their life, whether it's driving their car, the food they ingested, or who they interact with. I, I think we need to get back to that and learn to move forward with positivity as well as not live in fear. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just want to give John Ficadenti an opportunity to uh, chime in on that too as well mm-hmm. uh, as far as the White Bear Lake School District is concerned. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead, John? Well, you know, freedom of family decisions don't stop at the doorways of school districts. Um, when it comes to the mitigation efforts, there's so many mixed messages out there. I mean, you have schools across the metro if I'm not mistaken, Liberty Classical Academy, I don't think you're wearing masks, correct? It's mask um, optional. Mm-hmm. Okay, and mask optional. I mean, where, you could take your son or daughter to a Minnesota Viking football game with 65,000 people. Right. You don't, have to, you don't have to wear a mask. Um, then, then you can go out to dinner afterward, not have to wear a mask. But then the very next day, you take your son or daughter to school, you have to mask them up. What, what the the inconsistency the inconsistency in the misc, mixed message of that is baffling to me. Okay, yep. so wh- why can't we take that freedom of choice and 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 use that in our school district? And when the when the school board tells us they have as many people that want to wear the mask that don't, show me the statistics on that. That's what I want to see. If you can provide that with people. 
You take a lot of guesswork out of it. That's what we need to see. And, and then what, what is going to support, when will we go maskless? What are we going to use to, to take people out of the masks? Mm. So. Yeah, that's a good question there. Yeah, what what would be their criteria for right. making that change? And a lot of, uh, if I could just interject oh. here real quick too, a lot of uh, the the fallout that we don't hear about are the uh, the psychological, the mental uh, struggles mm. that kids have being masked up eight hours a day or the, the gum disease. I've spoken to orthodontists mm. where they're seeing an increase in uh, dental health mm-hmm. issues because of the habitual mask wearing. Yeah. You don't hear about any of these things. Well, and... and you don't learn to read and write, or excuse me, read, <laughs> not write so much, but they're all connected. But if you've got kindergarten, first grade age kids, um, phonemic awareness is so important. Watching the lips of the teacher as she's sounding out words, um, those are all critical to learning reading skills. And we know from looking at the research that the kids are behind after a year. Yep. Um, some of it's because they were online. You know, that's a big part of it, too. But I interviewed a teacher for a position last year who was working in a complete masked um, environment. And she said it is so hard to teach sounds and language to children when they can't see your lips right. and you can't see theirs. And she said, these kids are behind. They're not learning to read because they cannot see my mouth. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I look at that as just a criminal. We have to teach kids how to read or they are going to be behind for the rest of their lives. It's very difficult to catch up. So, Kayla, you were going to add something. No, I mean, I was just going to say, like, back, this was a piece back in the Dakota County newsletter, their fall and winter, and they were just so excited to announce that Dakota County reached the 70% in early June, meeting Mm -hmm. their goal of Mm -hmm. vaccination rates before July. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, it's like, when are we going to get back to the way we were, especially like in our schools? Is that going to be 80%, 90%? Are we not going to factor in other accountabilities? And, you know, it, 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 it just, where does it end? And I think it's unfortunate. Our children are the ones being left behind right now. They're the ones still being in lockdown of fear of contracting this and spreading it Mm -hmm. um, where we see in other places gathering that it's okay and safe and that people are being responsible with their bodies. I mean, I was just at a homecoming game recently and the stands were filled. Everyone was happy, but all those kids earlier in the day were masked Masked up up. and living in fear, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The kids don't have a lot of say. That's one of the things that I think is a fallout from the way our political system works. Uh, It's so much based upon, um, money, how much money you can give and how much money, um, it, you know, to support a cause and influence and children have neither. They have no money and they have no influence to be able to produce, um, pressure on the teachers themselves or on the unions themselves to be able to be back in school in a normal fashion. And we used to protect the kids and work, watch out for them and place them as our highest priority. Unfortunately, during COVID, I don't think that that is what happened. And, um, it's sad to see. So, um, Kayla, we hear terms like equity and inclusion being used regularly in an attempt to close the wide achievement gap that we see between white students and students of color here in the state of Minnesota. How would you describe the Rosemount Apple Valley Egan School District's usage of equity in the district's classroom? How much of a factor is critical race theory and Black Lives Matter in the district's curriculums? And what are you hearing from parents in terms of their responses to equity in the classroom? Yeah, before I answer all those questions, I mean, I just want to 
first say, I believe that every child, no matter their gender, race, ethnicity, income status, or background, deserves every opportunity to succeed. Mm -hmm. Having worked with diverse groups of children of all backgrounds, as well as my study in early childhood youth and development, has shown me that every child learns, develops, and hits stages and milestones differently. Some children may need additional assistance in getting to some of those basic standards, where some students may need more challenging coursework to Mm -hmm. keep them engaged and active in school. Um, All students deserve our support to succeed. Um, In District 196, we do have a director and a coordinator of equity and inclusions department with taxpayer-funded salaries to people whose job is to bring the equity and inclusion philosophy into the schools. The district also has a policy to create a culture of respect in each building and their policy 503.8AR. District 196 are schools are expected to establish a culture of respect. The district and schools will establish strategies for creating a positive school climate and will use evidence-based social-emotional learning to prevent the reduced discrimination to others and proper conduct. The only thing they are leaving out in the views of the people that they don't agree with, which should show them the need to be more inclusive. This doesn't feel very inclusive to some members of the school community, but the policy states that they welcome all. It should be renamed if you aren't going to welcome all and not just those whose viewpoints are the same ideas as us and everyone else is not as important (laughs) as a person. Like the school's job is to educate and have curriculum that produces results or at the very least be teaching children how to have open discussions respectfully and not attack because someone has a different opinion. That's what's great about our country is that we are made up of individuals allowed to freely think our own opinions and not all be copies of each other. If we raise the bar high, our future generation will rise higher to meet those standards. But if we put the bar low so everyone meets the bare minimum, then we are not helping these kids but failing their future. We need we are not setting them up for the real world and these theories of judging someone on their skin tone rather than their character should not be in our schools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I was going to say, yeah, and I hear what you're saying. Are you hearing something from parents at all? Um, What are they saying? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, I mean, just recently we um, at Apple Valley High School, they just had a gun incident in regards to a fight. Um, And, you know, it, social media plays a big part in in school culture today. I know it's not in the curriculum itself, but Mm -hmm. it's in the lives of these Mm -hmm. kids. And they see things online and it spreads very quickly and rumors start and um, bullying happens that way too. Um, But I've heard from parents um, when speaking to them, they they want schools to be focused on the academics, not this Mm -hmm. idea Mm -hmm. of characterizing something based on your skin tone or giving them multiple chances. Like I know one school district is taking out the F grade or giving them multiple Mm -hmm. chances to complete a test where they can, with social media and texting, they can test or text the answers to each other, or they can, with the multiple choice, they can just try four different times Mm -hmm. and eventually they'll get it right. So things are So you're hearing parents complain about the... Oh, they've noticed this. Yes. And their Mm -hmm. kids and their... uh, engagements with other children yeah. as well. Okay. okay. And I want yeah. to bring John Ficadenti yes. into this mm-hmm. discussion. Haley, you just mentioned about uh, some of the grading changes that are taking place. White Bear Lake is experiencing that right now. Mm-hmm. That was yep. in the national news in right. September. John, what do you think of the current grading changes that you're seeing 
being rolled out in your district, and talk also about the removal of honors classes for middle school students in the district. Well, I mean, it, it goes without saying. It's absolutely horrible. I mean, you're, you're watering down. You know, listen, we have a huge investment in these schools. White Bear Lakes, um, we just passed a referendum of $325 million for our school districts. We have some of the highest paid school teachers throughout the metro area. It's an injustice for us to take the F away from the student. How are we measuring our success with these students by watering this down? Yep. Um, the achievement gap, you know, you, you need Fs, you need Cs, you need Bs, you need As. You need to step up the academics, right. okay? Um, for, us, for us to water this down, um, it, it's, it's been big news, and, and parents are extremely frustrated about this. It doesn't do anybody any good. Okay. Yep. So um, I, we're not happy. We're not happy with this at all. And that's one of the main reasons I'm running for school board. I will change that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I know parents. I mean, that's that's what I hear from parents, too, is that they want the focus on academics. They are not interested in all these extra peripheral things that seem to be dominating what the schools are taking their time to do. You know, well, and, and, you know, excuse me, but, you know, yeah. in the state of Minnesota just passed the largest education bill ever. I think it was $32 billion, okay? So money is not the problem anymore. No. We have, we have well-paid teachers. Mm-hmm. We have well-paid teachers. We gave them what they wanted. Now we want to get excellence in academics back here in White Bear Schools. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. What, uh, you know, you were, you were mentioning that's why you're, you're running for school board. I mean, you know, what needs to change specifically at the school board level? I mean, within the district's leadership to create these improvements that you're talking about? Well, you know, we did uh, the legal and voters, um, we did a little candidates forum, and they talked, what is the role of the school board with curriculum? And the current regime said, we, we really don't do much with the curriculum at all. We, we leave it up to the teachers. They said we follow all MDA guidelines. Every one of them said we follow, we follow, we follow. I say it's time for us to leave because what we're currently doing is not working, okay? Right. I don't want to follow anybody anymore, especially when I'm hearing principals at Sunrise Middle School that want to eliminate the F. No, I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm not following that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to school districts like the Sartell School District superintendent, um, who's doing very well, and find out what formula are they using because the status quo at White Bear Schools is not cutting it, okay? So we need to think outside of the box, and we need that, – that's what you do as a uh, – you have, like I said earlier, you have to evaluate the strengths and the weaknesses of your school district, and you have to be able to change and, and, and make it for the better. Yeah. Yep. Well, and it's good that, that that is what your goal is as a board member. And um, we're down to just our last couple of minutes. So Kayla and John, it would be great if each of you could just very quickly state, you know, why should somebody vote for you for a school board? Let's start with you, Kayla. Yeah, I mean, my elevator pitch would be the biggest thing I would tell voters out there whose children may be out of schools or who may not even have children is to get out and vote. It's really important. Our community's future is based on the success of our children. It is so important because... The fact that our schools take a lot of our tax dollars, these schools are filled with the next generation of leaders and more. If you want a safe community that everyone wants to move to, you have to have a safe and effective schools that produce results and not the bare minimum to meet number goals. Hmm. Our schools are are the children's stepping stone for the future, and we must keep our schools open for education to learn life skills and not to memorize 
and have many students feel we want them engaged in not only our school, but the community. Yep. By vote. I'm going to yeah. cut you off no, so you're I can fine. give John some time, too. So very good, Kayla. And John, how about you? Uh, why should people you know, vote for you? You know, and I basically said it all. You have to have the strengths and the ability to evaluate your current school district. You have to make tough decisions, keep the administration uh, accountable. But, you you know, the teachers have these kids for a captive audience for six, seven hours. We want to make sure that they're using the best use of time. And, and a new broom sweeps cleaner. I, I think that the current school board, if they're in the private sector, they'd be fired. So um, I'm stepping in. I want to participate. And if I can't get it done in four years, I'll step down as well, too. But I want the opportunity. Hmm. Okay, very good. Well, Kayla and uh, John, do you have websites that you want to quickly state? I have a Facebook page. I have a Facebook page called Ficadenti for White Bear Lake School Board. Okay, Ficadenti for White Bear Lake School Board, and the other one is Kayla Hauser from Apple Valley, and you can look her up and follow us on Facebook at Save the Classroom. Uh, actually, dot com. That's on our Facebook though. Save the Classroom dot com is our website. Well, go to the and website, and you can find we'll our podcast yep. there and find everything else as well. Thanks for joining us. Good night. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.